Hello, everybody, and thank you for joining us as we enter season three of the Activist Lawyer podcast. I'm joined today by Jack. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Hi, Jack. Thanks for... I know who thought we would be here, season three. Thanks for joining me. You're always here. So, yeah, I know, season three, it's so fantastic, but I'm very rusty, as you can probably tell. I know, it took us a while into the 2022 to get get started. It did. Well, we did intend to start a lot earlier, but with old COVID being around, cancellations, I think getting into the swing of things after Christmas, and I'm just kind of back, really. People working away don't really have time. Uh, so, yeah. You're saying people weren't making time for us. No, <laughs> just uh, people. People are actually doing work now in t- yeah. instead of during COVID. The time to discuss things. That's true. Well, different times, different times, and very, very, very different times that we're living in now. Yeah. So, obviously, at the start of every episode, we like to do a little bit of an introduction. So, we would like to round up last year's recordings as well, which were just fantastic. Class, yeah. Um, and we are so excited for the year ahead. So we'll get to that a little bit later. But really, uh, we can't avoid talking about the awful, horrendous, unfolding tragedy in the Ukraine, uh, particularly because it's really affecting our work as well here at Granite Immigration Law. Jack and I, as some of you may know, work um, in an immigration law firm. So we are just trying to get to grips with um, a lot of the information that's coming mm-hmm. out, particularly around visas for the UK and, of course, um, the uh, resettlement to Ireland. So we'll touch on that a little bit, but as we record this, I guess things will, will change. Probably changing right now. Overnight. So it's such a, a an awful time, a traumatising time for many of our clients as well. Even there, we've just received a number of calls from them, worried about family members and trying to get them over to Ireland. So, But at the beginning of this recording, I think we checked 500,000 people have fled the Ukraine since Russia's invasion began. Wasn't it the 24th? 24th, so only what... Six, uh, five, six days. Six days into it, I think. And this number is expected to rise massively. So that's what we're really preparing for. This is really just the tip of the iceberg, according to a lot of the agencies on the ground. So we've been working with clients, as I said, trying to advise an options open to their family members to come to Ireland and the UK because of where we're based here on the border in Uri. We've kind of been receiving queries about I suppose the island of Ireland itself yeah, yeah. and you know what's more practical for, for clients and what's the best solution for them but I have to say lawyers have been amazing you've probably seen it too Jack all across over, yeah all over social media trying to do the best they can absolutely for, because yeah. it's very easy to feel helpless here mm-hmm. um, especially because it's constantly updating and people feel like once I make a decision here tomorrow mm-hmm. it'll be totally different so I think they're trying to do the best they can. You mm. can see that all over social media. And for us at the weekend, I mean, we had a good enough understanding of the, the visa process, the UK's horrendous kind of attitude towards this. But anyway, we'll get, get back to that. With Ireland opening things up massively yeah. and saying like the Ukrainian people arriving in Ireland would not be required to have a visa, which was obviously fantastic. But the problem was logistics. And I, for one, couldn't figure out, you know, what's happening in, on the ground, behind the scenes. How do they get here once the flights have been closed off? Our clients were in Odessa, so Moldova was the best place for them to go. But how were they going to get there? A lot of them were elderly, sick, vulnerable. They had to leave their sons who would have supported them behind because they were over 18 and had to stay to fight. Meanwhile, their relatives are in Northern Ireland here, absolutely 
just in an awful state, a really awful state. So we've been dealing with, with, with clients like that over the weekend and we're keeping a real close eye. But it's good um, to know that a lot of lawyers and there's a group of us here in Northern Ireland will be working together to provide free advice where we can yep. to Ukrainian citizens and, and anybody who's, who's worried about um, loved ones abroad and getting them over here. So check in with us about that. But really, I suppose what we were planning to talk about anyway um, as we opened this season was the Nationality and Borders Bill. And I know we had Maria McCluskey in before and she spoke about it at length and how it would impact children because she works with the Children's Law Centre in Northern Ireland. Mm-hmm. But the crisis in the Ukraine has really shed light on this whole whole bill, I suppose. And it's the Home Office's horrendous attempt to, I don't know, create... A really barbaric system. Well, in their a eyes, t- it would well be a two-tiered two, system. A two-tiered mm-hmm. system, but in their eyes, I guess it's this, you know, a more efficient system mm-hmm. and a way of controlling immigration. But really, it allows for the complete differential treatment of of refugees, depending on how they reached yeah. Britain. So it's, I think it's clauses. People, you know, depending on how you get here, you're 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 put into a clause, yeah. as you say, a two-tiered approach. So those who arrive with visas or, um, what do they call it? It's um a government-approved route (laughs) will be granted all of the benefits um, of coming to the UK under, you know, a a normal visa scheme. Yeah, and as we can see in Ukraine now, which is the most recent recent example, I don't think many people have much time to apply for an approved route when they're fleeing for their lives, and you can see that in many different countries as well. Yeah, I mean, arriving irregularly, which is what they want to stop, and and those cases will be deemed inadmissible, so kind of automatically refused, and actually those people are called illegal if they've arrived individually. And what that means is either by lorry or by boat. So mm-hmm. in other, wi- other words, not an approved government route. Now, it's absolutely ridiculous. But thankfully, last night I was watching it unfold. The, the House of Lords debated this. Yeah. And I think it's the first round of debates before it goes back to the House of Commons for approval. And of course, we have the fantastic Lord Dubbs, Lord Alf Dubbs, um, and his colleagues who really just went full throttle against the Home Office in this, which is fantastic. And they actually rejected a number of clauses in the bills one of them was that what we just mentioned the criminality of refugees who arrive um under an irregular route and not under a government um approved route so that suffered a massive defeat and um i mean people are deeming it as a as a victory Mm. (laughs) um for for refugees and for the people of britain who in many surveys do not want this and i know northern ireland i think you sent me it on did a survey recently and people do not support this bill it's absolutely draconian so really i think there were four defeats in the house of lords last night um which hopefully will impact matters when it goes back to the House of Commons. Now yeah. they can either accept those changes or challenge it. But I think when people realise what would happen if Ukrainian refugees, seeing what's happening close to us, mm-hmm. arrive in the UK and are treated as they would be under this bill, um, you know, having their rights completely restricted and really being deemed inadmissible and illegal. Yeah. I mean, that just speaks volumes. So in one way, at least this is really highlighting, you know, the Home Office's intended, you know, changes for the immigration system and the asylum system in the UK. Now, there's other things in there as well. The citizenship, Jack. Yeah, is one so that Clause you 9. So uh, even speaking to people 
um, up at university and stuff, uh, their friends and family, some friends and family, once that announcement came out about mm-hmm. Clause 9, they were actually pretty worried about it already and mm-hmm. because they don't know what's coming down the line. But for anybody who doesn't know, Clause 9 of the bill gives, well, may give the government the right to deprive um, people with British citizenship It'll, they'll be able to take their citizenship off them without informing them without first. Without notice. Yeah, without notice. Okay. Um, and I think the example of why they couldn't give them notice is for national security and mm. if it's impractical yeah. to, to let them know. Yeah, so which I don't know what how yeah. they can justify that or what will the threshold be for being impractical to, yeah. to let them know. Of course this would affect thousands there are figures i'm not 100 percent sure of the figures but this would affect people not only in the uk but across the world potentially and thankfully rejected again in the house of lords and widely debated Mm -hmm. so we'll see how that goes but to just strip someone of their citizenship and normally people are you know you would lose your citizenship if you um if you claimed it misleadingly so if the application for naturalization for example was based on fraud or you became involved in some sort of terrorist activity. And mm-hmm. I know with Irish citizenship, there are other other reasons you need to check in with um, the embassy, et cetera, et cetera. But really, they're going two or three steps beyond that and, yeah. and stripping people of, of their citizenship. And, and they also said to defend it is that they wouldn't strip somebody of their citizenship if they're able to get another citizenship mm. however it doesn't mean that the person has to have a, a, a secondary citizenship at that time no. they, they can just get another one so it actually they become stateless they become stateless until yeah. they can apply for their other mm. citizenship which they may be eligible for so it doesn't yeah. really yet i think the home office fact sheet said they would never make anybody's yeah, <laughs> so stateless so the, they're contradicting themselves. Absolutely. Well, we'll get back to them in a second, but just to check in about Ireland, because obviously we're dealing with clients who would arrive in through Dublin Airport as well. So Ireland opened up their border um, effectively visa-free, no requirements attached to those visas, no costs or anything like that. The UK had made concessions around visas, so they mm. waived the cost. They reduced some of the um, kind of barriers to applying for a normal family visa, like the financial requirement and yeah. threshold and all of that. So with our people arriving in Ireland, they would have 90 days to regularise their status. Now, just, I mean, on an international scale, that, that was a you know, a huge, there was a huge reaction to that. And the fact that other EU countries have followed suit or even, you know, at the same time that Ireland announced that they had done the same thing. So UK are really holding off here. I actually think (laughs) I've seen on Twitter, somebody had tweeted uh, MP, I don't know which party they were from. Um, It could have been Conservative, I think. And they asked about roots Mm -hmm. in and he gave an example that they could apply to pick fruit in the UK. I saw And that, that. could be a route into the UK. A picking fruit, yeah. Yep. So now, in fairness to Pretty Patel and her colleagues, they are discussing this <laughs> as we speak. Yep. So who knows what's going to come out in that. And she's bound to feel a massive pressure from the public around this and the media yep. who really feel that their efforts have been just absolutely abhorrent in response to this crisis and I mean you remember them clapping for everyone clapped for the nurses in the NHS but didn't give a pair eyes I heard that being compared to the fact that Westminster was lit up Downing Street blue and yellow and solidarity with um, the Ukraine etc etc but of course I mean it's absolute hypocrisy at its finest it's the basic it's a Mm. show that they put on um, it, it but really the, there's is. no action behind it. It's all it's all just for show. It's all it, just for, it the, is. for the newspapers. 
And we we won't labour the point, but again, I mean, why are we so rightly and justly this has to be covered by the media and it deserves its place this is an awful tragedy and it's really highlighting how people can wake up one day and just have to flee their their home with very little notice but I mean this has been happening in Syria Afghanistan horrendous atrocities happening daily in Yemen and of course Palestine and now the Ukraine and other parts of the world as well I mean the list is endless but countries are constantly producing refugees in the same way that that the Ukraine is now. Mm-hmm. So yes, I mean, it's close to home. I think we feel it's on the, you know, the European connection s- is certainly there. Yeah. But we can't forget the fact that Afghan refugees who have been promised resettlement to the UK mm-hmm. are still waiting. So that scheme was open to 20,000 Afghan refugees mm-hmm. and 7,000 have been resettled so far. Yeah. So they haven't fulfilled even half yeah. of the, that, what they said they were going to do. And we know for a fact, Jack, that people who have applied under this scheme and mm-hmm. we're told this is the Afghan citizens resettlement scheme, well, part of it hasn't opened yet, but some have been relocated under various smaller schemes yeah, specific yeah. To, to what their background was. Some of them got accepted on paper but are still waiting in Kabul. Yeah, We've yeah. been contacted by a number of families there. So, I mean, there's... That has to be um, highlighted here, you know, that we can't forget about about those those cases as well. There has uh, been criticism, though, of um, the language used uh, surrounding the Ukrainian crisis in comparison to the mm-hmm. Afghan crisis, that there really is significant outrage for the Ukrainians because mm-hmm. they're seen as European. And Absolutely. I've seen the language that they're civil. Mm-hmm. it's a civilised society, it's a European. How can this happen? How can this happen? Mm-hmm. But it doesn't matter... No. What country you're from, uh, they all have to be treated the same. So there is that outrage, yeah. and it is starting to come out now in the in the last number of days. So um, mm. it's hard to see that they haven't fulfilled this first resettlement scheme. Yeah. Um, so hopefully that'll get fulfilled. Absolutely, and I mean it's just going to continue to happen. But the UN have also criticised the Home Office as well in in terms of this bill, and I mean just what they've said. They've warned that the bill undermines the 1951 Refugee Convention. So just think about this in the context of what they're they're saying to Ukrainian refugees at the moment. The agreement, which has protected refugees for decades, and of which the UK is a signatory. At the same time, if implemented, the policies would risk the lives and well-being of vulnerable people and the UNHCR believes that this bill would undermine, not promote the government's stated goal of improving protection for those at risk of persecution. Mm -hmm. So, I mean... That's fairly clear. Other things in the bill, I mean, accelerated detained appeals, abolition of certain appeal rights, notice requirements for removal, so people given five days notice when they're going to be removed from the UK, which is all good and well because previously it was something like, you know, a lot less than that, maybe yeah. two or three days. But it all boils down to the fact that immigration solicit legal aid is absolutely horrendous. Mm-hmm. And any of the slightly more positive changes in this bill will only work if the legal aid system is improved. And we are currently talking with our colleagues here in Northern Ireland about the horrendous rates, which haven't risen in decades, decades for legal aid for immigration only, meaning that firms lose their solicitors, they close down certain practices like immigration, for example, or people just don't get into the area because it's not really well paid. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? Well, it means that hundreds are left without access to legal services, legal advice. We know that some of them are being removed, asylum seekers, sorry, are being removed from the north 
of Ireland over to Scotland without notice. Yep. And if they have had a solicitor somewhere along the line, the solicitors aren't receiving notice. So it's an absolute mess here. So really the Home Office need to be looking at their current decision making, making that more efficient, which is an ultimate mess. But getting people legal aid needs to be completely, I don't know, brought down and, and built up again. It's completely inadequate, given the complexity of a lot of these cases as well. It's not just that some solicitor can just pick it up and do it. They can't. It yeah. needs to be qualified, experienced people specialising in this. So we're working with our colleagues here to see if there's a way that we can come on board, you know, improve the delivery of our service to people who, mm-hmm. who need to access legal aid. So for me, that's one of the biggest issues that's not being dealt yeah. with. And it's not about putting money in lawyers pockets mm-hmm. if you increase the fee it allows other people to come in and work in the area because some people just aren't able to work firms aren't able to mm-hmm. have somebody working in the area mm-hmm. so it's not just about getting it's not about getting people rich it's about mm-hmm. allowing other people who can come and help to join in because currently they just can't because of the low fees yeah no it's it's disgraceful it really is so ultimately look overall it seems that this bill is just going to entrench existing problems that already exist within the the immigration system here across the uk and people with a legitimate legitimate basis to stay in the uk genuine grounds for fear of removal Mm -hmm you know, can be removed without effective access to justice. So it remains to be seen what they're going to do with this bill in the midst of this close tragedy mm-hmm. unfolding in, in the Ukraine. So anyway, we will definitely bring on solicitors and barristers and legal professionals to speak about this again. But we'll just move on to <laughs> one of the next things one that we're going yeah. to look at, um, which is... Unfortunately, this emerging trend, it's back to our very first podcast, isn't it? Of kind of Yeah, back to where it all <laughs> began. That's we're here again. So this, <laughs> this is very um, relevant. Where we're The trend of attacking and vilifying lawyers. Now, in this respect, we're going to focus on one of our previous guests, who is uh, Colin Harvey. You know, yep. you know Colin one Harvey from, lectures, from, yeah. from being a lecturer. And Colin was a fantastic contributor to Activist Lawyer. We just got so much out of his, his podcast and dealing with him and, and communicating with him on a number of events and attending some of his events and his lectures as well. But um, we've seen... <laughs> Yeah, so when we had him on the podcast, it maybe wasn't as bad or maybe underplayed, mm. um, but he, he did touch on, on the fact that he had received a, a level of kickback, mm. I think that he had said. Um, but Colin, Colin has always been clear in his views, but encourages open and transparent debate. And I think mm. that was the main uh, theme of the podcast with him. He, he is yeah. constantly open to discussion mm-hmm. and I think that's so important and it feels like he's being punished for yeah so for people who don't really know the background I guess who maybe haven't listened to that episode and I, I would advise you to do so Colin is a human rights law professor at Queen's University again we just said he, he had taught Jack I had some dealings with him a, a long time ago back in the day but he really works very um he works on constitutional change he's spoken out about Brexit and the difficulties that that creates Mm -hmm. in terms of equality and human rights here in Ireland and across the UK as well Um, he really has used his voice to demonstrate how we need collective discussion Um, he's open to debate he's never shied away from debate and on our podcast he invited 
people who disagreed with him to share their view Mm -hmm. and to give another option of what a new Ireland would look like. So Colin would very often speak at events around this shared vision for a new Ireland that's very inclusive and how we can get to that point. Again, talks a lot about constitutional change and and what that would look like on a a legal basis. Mm -hmm. So he he uses his skills and his, his background. And I mean, he's written extensively on the subject. So that's where we're coming from. And of course, we're here in good old Northern Ireland. So we're back to um, a bit of, I think, old school bigotry is what I would yeah, and it's it. well, it's old you know, school, but it's on it's online now. It's um, on. You're right. Yeah. So it's yeah. it's it's a modern version modern version of it. But we we've seen uh, serious criticism. I don't even know. Would you call it criticism or? I don't know what the word I you would call it, it for online. Absolute slurs against his character. By uh, Kate Hoey was one person, a British parliamentarian, and then we had another commentator, Ruth, Ruth. Dudley Edwards. Yeah, yeah. So, and that's fine, right? They're the people who brought it up, but it wasn't just that; it was the comments underneath. Yeah. Um. So anyway, we'll not go into the details of that, but basically, he was, um, you know, it, the recipient of shocking comments and allegations, and you know, really, what we're here to talk about is how this is such dangerous dangerous Mm -hmm. territory when academics human rights lawyers are attacked in this way i mean we saw what when did we start this podcast 2020 the end of 2020 when pretty patel and the rest of the 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 government and not the rest of the government but members of the government had attacked lawyers and one lawyer was actually attacked physically uh, um, a human rights lawyer an immigration lawyer you know so we can see how this is both at odds with um, you know, it's it's undermining the rule of law, yep. but on a personal level, it's absolutely horrendous. So I know the Law Society of Northern Ireland and in, in the UK, they've spoken up about this yeah. and they've condemned this type of attack. It is. It's an attack on his profession, yep, really. Yep. Forget about his personal views, whether you agree with him or not, that's neither here nor there. It's an attack on, he's not a practising solicitor or bar, but he is a legal academic yeah, yeah. and informs a lot of work. That, that's very important here so I mean for me I think w- we were looking back at our, our, our first episode but what really stood out again was Tufik Hussein I think we may have mentioned him before he's a solicitor at Duncan Lewis Solicitors but he said this relentless attack on lawyers who are simply trying their best to represent clients properly and responsibly in diff- difficult circumstances is both callous and dangerous the Home Secretary knows this but chooses to press ahead Upholding the rule of law isn't activism or lefty lawyers frustrating the government. John Locke, the English philosopher, said, wherever law ends, tyranny begins. This is where we are heading. Now, I know Colin's a, a legal academic, but this the principle applies across the board. Yep. So, And we've yeah. seen how important language is um, from people in power. We've seen a recent one with Keir Starmer, how yeah. language um, from Boris Johnson, yeah. a throwaway comment that wasn't dealt with properly, um, then led to Keir Stormer personally being attacked again, by the a lawyer, and and because lawyer, of his profession, because of him being a lawyer, role. yeah, and it was a, a a complete another lie. It wasn't a truthful statement that was mm-hmm. thrown out, um, and you're actually you're not allowed to call it a, a lie, but no. you're allowed to make you're allowed to state the lie, mm-hmm. um, which mm-hmm. was quite quite Ridiculous. frustrating. But it led to him being attacked on the street personally mm-hmm. based on his profession so it's mm-hmm. important the language from people in power again from the first episode which we spoke about 
Yeah. Well, thankfully, Colin Harvey and other people who do appear to be the recipients of such abuse um, do have a strong wave of support. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're well able to stand their ground. Thankfully, he was. And I mean, we here in this this show, this podcast would support his work and everybody that we've had on who work God, so hard mm-hmm. to stand up for people to, you know, really strive for equality, human rights, and their work is so valuable to us. So, and we, we thank them for that. Yeah. So and, you, and the problem is with social media, you only see the bad comments. It's, it, it's only the bad comments yeah. on social media. And out of every one bad mm-hmm. comment, there's probably a hundred people that support yeah. him. Um, but it's water yeah. off a duck's back. They, they went to town on this one. But yeah. anyway, we hope to have Colin back. We'd love to have him back on the yeah. show. Um, so back to Activist Lawyer Season 3. It sounds so funny. Season, season 3. three. Um, but again, we'd like to thank our guests last year. It was a bit of a crazy year. I was on maternity and kind of dipping in and out and coming in. I think August was when we started Season 2 last year. Yeah, yeah. But we had just a fantastic response. We really, really did. Uh, particularly what stood out for me as well was Emma. Um, Cassidy and Sarah Corrigan from the Pills Network. It was a great conversation. It was a great conversation and they were so fantastic in sharing what we're about. They've been really supportive of the podcast. We'd really like to thank them. And Maria McCluskey, again, who I just mentioned there, was on from the Children's Law Centre NI and she was somebody who just really highlighted how difficult the job can be. She works with um, unaccompanied minors, asylum-seeking children. So again, a really great episode to show how difficult that work, work is. We had, uh, you weren't in for this one, Jack, but I know you were raging had that you missed after, it. Yeah, had a listen after. But it was Parag Murray who works on incredibly tough cases and, you know, a lot of the legacy cases and difficult cases based in, in his community in West Belfast. So it was really engaging to see how somebody, you know, lived there, grew up there and worked there and he's really entrenched mm-hmm. in his local community and he was great at sharing his legal journey. Yeah, and one of, one of the best podcasts I thought actually out of season two was um, Rachel Woods so before I wanted to get into law mm-hmm. I was actually thinking about politics Ooh. and sh- so she's from the Green Party and uh, she shared some great information <laughs> about the legislative process in terms of the assembly now after speaking to her I definitely don't want to go into politics because <laughs> no. it's, 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 it's a lot of yeah, cookie, tough cookie yeah. yeah and it, it seems like a, a lot a lot of hard work but she's yeah. Well, Belfort, and she absolutely loves her job. She's very passionate. But I think it was good for us to have somebody, you know, working on the Justice Committee to come in and talk to us about, well, what happens in in the lawmaking process and the legislative process. So I think that was really, really um, fascinating just to get Mm -hmm. that perspective. It was like a background, yeah. We're all cogs working together in in the the legal justice system. (laughs) I'm a very tiny cog. (laughs) But um, Angus Kelly, for me, was just a fantastic guest. Angus was on... He's the CEO of the Irish Rule of Law International and I mean he shared his work in depth, very difficult work but somebody who travelled the world basically with law, working mostly in criminal justice cases but he is still so committed and so focused and he introduced us to um, Judge Shireen Fisher. Yeah, massive guest. A really great guest, guest. Judge Shireen Fisher sits on The Hague and she has a got a significant experience behind her. Now, unfortunately, we didn't get the chance to go into her work um, in great detail, Mm -hmm. but she was there to share the campaign which supports and resettles Afghan women Mm -hmm. judges. And that was, um, that's still ongoing. So anybody who's interested in that, 
they want funds, they want support around English language. And I know the Law Society in Ireland, some of the students studying there have been helping the Afghan lawyers and lots of law firms have been giving them placements. So mm-hmm. fantastic work there. And it's great to see actually just from that podcast, I'm, I'm still seeing the work that has come off that one yeah. episode with uh, Judge Shereen Fisher. Yeah. You can still see that work We're being carried out We're getting lots of emails and we've people in London as well, retired barrister, actually my auntie. <laughs> Shout out to my auntie, out. my auntie Betty, who is also getting involved there in hopefully helping Afghan women judges and lawyers who are settling in the UK. Um, then we had Mary Kitson. Oh yeah. It was a great, great episode. From the Equality Commission. Equality Commission. So we actually, even after the episode, we spoke to her for... 45 oh. minutes to an hour after the episode. She's the senior solicitor of the Equality Commission, NI, and that episode featured in the Northern Ireland Human Rights Festival, uh, which was fantastic. That was towards the end of last year, so I think it was the 3rd to the 10th of December. It went on for a week or so, didn't it? It went on for a week, and we were delighted to be featured in their online. Now, it wasn't in person or anything like that, but they, the recording was shared widely, and it got a massive response, and mm-hmm. Mary was just, I think, just... I don't know, an inspiration for anybody who wants to get into that line of work. And she discussed some of her cases that she worked on. And we were actually contacted afterwards by some of the the, um, applicants in those matters who were successful just to say thank you for sharing the podcast. And they were delighted to hear about their case being mentioned. So we were so pleased with that. Yeah, and then we had Maurice Hutchinson on. So she spoke about the settlements for minors and personal injury claims. And then we also had Megan Burns, which was a solo. With, it was my first solo uh, podcast, Ooh, I think. Solo podcast. Solo podcast. Um, but I was talking solo. about crypto cryptocurrency, which um, and and its role in activism and its progressing yeah. role in activism. So it'll be a could be a possible uh, future episode in a year. I or loved two. that podcast because I knew nothing yeah. about it. Well, I still know nothing about. it. <laughs> yeah, and you know Megan, though, don't you? I know Megan. Yeah, yeah, pretty well. So, <laughs> and Megan is our go-to yeah. cryptocurrency yeah. Um, person. So she's she's still studying. She's doing her, that, doing her masters now in uh, yeah. law and technology, and I think her dissertation is going to be again on uh, cryptocurrency. And I think it's got something to do with activism again. So could possibly once that's finished, we could have her on again and. Brilliant. See what the developments have been oh, in that. These young minds. Hmm. <laughs> well, we finished off last year by having Dr. Louise Crowley on, and I am just a massive admirer of her. It was probably a bit of a, a fangirl <laughs> on that episode. It was uh, probably, I was a, a bit cringe. But Louise works on, gosh, so much. She's a family law solicitor, is her background. And she published widely on domestic violence, violence against women. And of course, what we spoke about, which I'm slightly obsessed with, which is the Bystander Intervention mm-hmm. Program in UCC. And I think it's just fantastic uh, initiative of getting the conversation started around sexual harassment and you know the culture of kind of language and harassment for for people in third level education Mm -hmm. we all agree this should be started at an earlier age Louise would agree that but just to see the rollout of of the program with Louise and her colleagues is just fantastic education and talking about it's key well bystander I mean it's you know equipping people with the the tools to to stand up for Mm -hmm. somebody and to know when enough's enough and to step in and to to stop matters getting out of control so we will revisit some of these themes this season but we have so much more to come and we look forward to sharing with you a host of solicitors coming up, barristers, a few legal academics, activists as well. Yeah, so season three, um, 
well, it starts off with this episode and then we move this on. This is the boring one. This is the boring <laughs> one. That's to get everyone, you know, engaged again. Yeah. But uh, so we focus on with the first episode, we focus on violence against women, women coming from a criminal justice analysis and preventive measures and awareness. So we had, um, or we we're going to have Stop Street Harassment yeah. NI. Um, so it'll be a great podcast with Hannah and Kristen, Kristen yeah. who are both lawyers and uh, the f- uh, founders of a fantastic organisation carrying out timely work here in Northern Ireland. And then we have Dr Rachel Colleen from Queen's University Belfast, who again, we're going to be looking at um, harassment and violence against women, but she will be speaking about the criminal aspect of that. And the trial and, and one of her publications focuses on sexual harassment on trial. Mm-hmm. So that'll be really interesting to get her perspective. And we just think it's just such an important matter to keep on the table. Mm-hmm. And I, I think we will discuss it here on Activist Lawyer um, as much as we can, because we know in Ireland and uh, Northern Ireland now they're talking about the whole violence against women strategy, mm-hmm. which yep. did the consultation close for that twenty. F- I think it's in March it's closing. March, some some date in March. Yep. We'll, we'll check that out. I think it was extended. Um, it was extended so slightly. It's closing in, in March. Um, so that's on the table and we think that's extremely important given that we had so many guests on who talked about harassment, violence against women and the real need for it after, I mean, we didn't discuss the case of um, Ashley Murphy um I'm sure everybody knows what happened. It was a horrendous case in um, the south of a, a teacher who was brutally and tragically murdered. So, I mean, again, the conversation arose and the debate around violence against women and what we can do to stop this. So we, we think for us and for our guests and for listeners, it's important to keep that on the table. So you will see that coming up. But we also have, um, we have Kieran Moyna. Yep. who is a solicitor in Phoenix Law. We're really looking forward to having him on. He was involved time. in the Asher's Bakery case. Yeah, so it'll be it'll be a really, really good podcast. And then we have Emma McElveen, an extraordinarily active barrister specialising mm-hmm. in employment law. And right. uh, we have Katie Mannion, solicitor with the Irish Refugee Council, as well as um, a criminal defence solicitor, Owen O'Sullivan, and a few more special guests on the way. Yeah, so it'll be, I, I think season three will be... The, be- the best season so We've far. We've a few yet to confirm, but we really hope they do yeah. because we'd love to have them on. Owen O'Sullivan will be great because he works with KOD Lions and we had uh, one of our best podcasts was with Stephen Kerwin, yeah. who, who is a real friend to the show and we're really excited to have that fantastic mix of guests. So what else do we have coming up then? So um, we, uh, well actually I want to give a thanks to oh, yeah. um, everyone who has contributed to our blogs. We have another couple coming up. They're just finishing off their Blog, so they'll be posted on the website. Is but this we, mainly students? This is mainly yeah. this is from students. So we had a great article from Antonia Borman oh, yeah. on citizenship. So we actually specifically love that one because of uh, immigration. Uh-huh. And we have a few more lined up. So we actually have two more that will be coming out soon on the website. Mm-hmm. So keep an eye out for those. And we're really excited because we have a few plans for the year ahead. We can't share them all here. No, it's secret. <laughs> but we have some good news. We are developing our website, so <laughs> stay focused for that. We're going to, you know, make it look a bit more swanky, sophisticated. Yeah, and more social media posts as more well. More interactive and all of that. So uh, we have a little bit of help with that now, which is fantastic yeah. as well. And our lovely Jessica, who is over in Canada, but yeah. still working with us, great remote work. It's just, just fantastic. A, a new world, yeah. Yeah, I'm always afraid I'm waking her up at, yeah, at night time. <laughs> but she is still working closely with Activist Lawyer and she's 
appeared on the show a few times. Not yep. appeared, what was it? Yeah, she did. Oh, yeah. yeah. Sure. Appeared on the show a few times. So we were also told recently that our podcast, or a couple of series of it at least, episodes were recommended reading in a well-known school of law. Yep. I don't know how much we can say, but when I heard that, I was And, very and to be honest, if I was given that to do for my reading list, mm. I'd, I'd do that. And I didn't do much reading now for my reading list, but I'd listen to the podcast. Would you? Yeah. God. Yeah. Those poor students. Yeah. <laughs> well, I hope it's not our single episodes, Jack. And it's just because there's um, exciting and interesting guests on it. But we are also, this is big news, hoping to, pro- well, no, we are profiling yep. our guests in the Irish Legal News. So listen in and check us out on all our social media. Yep, that's where you'll get all the updates. You'll get it. And our guests will be able to give a little bit of a written profile about themselves to accompany the podcast. So we're so, so excited about that. Yep, so check out our Instagram, Twitter and LinkedIn um, because we want to hear all of your thoughts, views and ideas. So send them through either on social media or check out our website and you can send us a wee email. So yeah. And all those links will be attached to this episode. Oh yeah, attached, everything ready to go. So hit us up if you want to talk about a specific topic. (laughs) I feel down with the kids. you're just down with the kids. So help. Yeah. You, you usually say that about me. Yeah. That's oh, the cringe. Good. But, um, <laughs> okay. Well, look, thank you. We'll not bore you anymore with our idle chat. And thank you again for tuning in, for everybody for supporting us. And we really look forward to an exciting season three of Activist Lawyer here at Granite Podcast Studio in the heart of Newry City. 